Hey, hello and good morning. Welcome to The River Online. Uh, I'm John Firsty. I'm Sarah Firsty. And uh, we are the pastors here at The River uh, Church Community in downtown New York City. And we're so glad you have chosen to be with us today here on for on our, I guess it's our 12th virtual church. 12th time we've done ah. this. Yeah, I know, a dozen of these things. In the era of the pandemic, it's kind of like the new normal, I suppose. And uh, how are you all doing? Hmm. There's a lot going on, a lot to handle right now. And I suspect you're feeling kind of like we are, which to be honest, is a little worn out. Um, I, I wish we could be together in person, but I'm glad you're joining us in this way. And we do wanna be in touch with you. We wanna connect via comments, or via email. We're doing the Zoom call thumbs today. Uh, yeah, give us a thumbs up. We're doing a Zoom call at 12 noon on May 31st. Great way to connect there. And uh, we wanna invite you to do all of that. Um, you know, and on top of living life in a lockdown, which is plenty challenging, we have all been confronted this week with some of the very ugliest parts of American life. And it is a lot to handle. And we just wanted to start today, before we get into the sermon, just to acknowledge the turmoil that we are all facing right now. And it is Pentecost Sunday in the church calendar. And in a moment, we're going to look at this story. And uh, it's a great story for today because it shows us that faith can empower us mm -hmm. to be a part of bringing wonder into other people's lives. It can, it's going to show us that faith can help us find the, the celebration of life in the midst of ordinary time and extraordinary moments. And especially in our current situation, Pentecost shows us that God can empower us to remove barriers and exclusions that separate and harm people. And we need that right now, right? I mean, to stand up against the forces of alienation. And of course, I'm thinking of these horrifying displays of racism that we are seeing right now in our country. Yeah, that's right. And at the river, we value inclusion and dignity for all, mm -hmm. without exception. And with the recent killings of Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and just days ago, George, George Floyd, mm. we want to take a moment as a community to acknowledge our anger and our sadness over these unjust deaths and the pain that's caused by racial injustice and inequality and segregation. And let's turn together right now to our loving God for help and also hope. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you reach across all boundaries and you include everyone in your gift of God's love, grace, and wonder. You send the Holy Spirit to connect us in and through our differences. Help us now to break down the barriers that cause separation and harm. Give us the courage to see the reality of racism, to challenge it, and to uproot it from ourselves, our society, and the world. Amen. Amen. Thank you for kicking us off with that. So uh, how, do we, how do we move on from here? I mean, here we are, the future is uncertain, the, the present is fraught. Uh, well, we, uh, it so happens we are in a, a sermon series called 
how to move forward when no one knows what's next. And, and today we wanna to suggest two words that can at least point us in the right direction. And the two words are camaraderie and compassion. Camaraderie and compassion. Um, so we're gonna take a look at this Pentecost story, a moment in history where we see these things, camaraderie and compassion, playing out in a surprise way. And uh, so let's go ahead and read this scripture. Sarah, will you read this? Yeah, here's our passage today. It's found in Acts 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, is that what it's called? I think. Pamphylia, <laughs> Egypt, and, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there, amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully. Then he goes on to deliver an epic sermon, but let's jump ahead. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw, and every day their number grew as God added to those who were saved. Great story. That is the story of Pentecost, and here we are on Pentecost Sunday, and this is considered the birth of the church. And in many, many ways, it really is as significant as Easter Sunday. It's, it's, this is a monumental moment of faith. So let's get a little bit of context here, just to remind you. This is occurring about 40 days after Jesus' resurrection. And if you remember, the, his last instructions to the disciples was to stay put and to remain in Jerusalem. And it was a little bit mysterious, and they really weren't sure what was coming next. And so they wait. Uh, there's 12 disciples because they've replaced Judas, and there are also about 120 others who have decided to follow this way of Jesus the Nazarene and were there as well. And so what we have now is the Jewish festival of Pentecost in Jerusalem. And this would be a time when God-fearing people of faith would come together and celebrate God's provision that God had taken care of them for another year, that he'd give them 
good crops and a good life. And it was a time kind of like Thanksgiving. But it was also time for these Jews to celebrate their unique and exclusive relationship that they felt they had with God. And this sense, this backdrop of privilege and exclusivity is kind of important to know because it's about to get blown up. And what we see in the story is an unexpected and unrequested event that essentially shifts the course of humanity. Now, I, I know that sounds kind of grandiose, but I don't think it's overstating it uh, to say that this was a, a world-shifting event. The Holy Spirit comes upon them in this very tangible, very visceral way, causing so much of a scene that a crowd gathers now, these are people from all over the Jewish world that had come for this Pentecost festival and representing many different languages and dialects. And, of course, here's the, the great mystery. These followers from Jesus of Jesus from Galilee are speaking in languages, the languages of their listeners, languages that they would not have known. Yeah. And what is it they're saying? Uh, all we're told is the wonders of God. Yeah, the wonderful things God has done. That's right. And needless to say, all the on onlookers ask, what the heck is going on? How is it even possible? What does this all mean? Uh, can you picture the scene? It's remarkable and it's strange. Mm. Peter steps up and he gives a sermon, which... We didn't include for the sake of time, but it's really a doozy. You might want to check it out. Yeah. But uh, let's just uh, look at a couple of points. So Peter answers the onlookers and first says, they're not drunk. Yeah. I guess that's really a funny way to start. Yeah. It seems to suggest there must be some crazy hilarity goofiness going on associated with this experience of the Holy Spirit in some way. And then Peter explains that this is God's spirit, that it is a sovereign and prophetic mm. moment where God, the God of Israel, is speaking and moving in the midst of them. And now, but here's the big point. God's spirit is available to everyone, to all. Mm. And the traditional mindset is that God would only have done something up until this point to someone very special, the chosen few, someone like Moses or King David or a prophet. That would have been people's assumptions at this point. But Peter then quotes an Old Testament prophet where God says, a time is coming when I will pour out my spirit on all people, sons, daughters, young, old, men, women. And then he says that time is here right now and it's for everyone. And it's happening through this Jesus you've been hearing about. Yeah, great story. And what's the end result of this whole thing? Well, we're pitching the idea that it's camaraderie and compassion. Because look at what happens as a result. You have a huge number of people who decide to embrace Jesus in a whole new way. Uh, 3,000, it says, they're baptized. That means they publicly acknowledge their trust in Jesus. And mind you, they're not abandoning what they have found so meaningful in their faith. It says they still continue to worship at the temple. But now they have a whole new dynamic understanding, a sense of what God is up to in their world and in their lives personally and in their community. And I really love the fact that this new connection that they experience with Jesus of Nazareth gives them a sense of, of perspective and purpose and energy in the course of their regular, ordinary lives. 
And if you look at where this whole passage ends, it's quite interesting. It just says they were sharing meals with each other. They're with great kindness and a feeling of joy and upbeat exuberance. I love it where it says every meal a celebration. Yeah, that I sounds like that right up your alley. Yeah. yeah, that's that's really a picture, I think, of what connection and community can be and what it can do for us. So why is this picture of camaraderie and compassion so compelling? What is it that makes it so powerful? And how could this help us move forward in the midst of turmoil and uncertainty? And the first point is there are no exclusions, no barriers, no exceptions. God is now available to all people. Jesus offers a all access pass for deep connection for anyone who wants it. Mm. And beginning with these unlikely disciples from Galilee and then spreading to people from every corner of the nation. And Luke, the author of Acts, makes a big point in listing everyone who was there at that moment. Parthians, Medes, Elamites. On and on. On and, and on and yeah, on, yeah. right? And each. 15. 15. Yeah, there's 15 different groups if you look at them. And each of those hears the wonders of God in their own native tongue. Mm. The miracle of Pentecost is that God speaks to them with the exact accent and nuance and cadence of home. And so this bizarre and spiritual experience is also at the same time strangely familiar. And this shows that God recognizes and highlights and affirms the unique differences and distinctions that each group would have felt. I love it. And, and so in one moment, God does affirm these unique, diverse identities. And at the same time, like you said, he unifies them and he does it with one distinct message. It says the wonders of God or the wonderful things God has done. And that makes you ask the question, well, what do you suppose that means? What are the wonders of God? What, what did each of these people hear? And we don't really know, so we have to speculate. And when I think about this, certainly when I've read it previously, I usually think, oh, I suppose it's God's greatest hits. You know, the wonders of God are that uh, he led the Israelites out of Egypt and he raised up King David or, you know, that sort of historical thing. Nowadays, when I see this remarkable response, 3,000 people from so many different places, I kind of wonder if perhaps it was a more individualized and personalized message that people were responding to, which just leads me to this little uh, aside here. Imagine for a moment, imagine if God spoke to you intimately and in your native tongue, and he spoke to you about the wonderful things he'd done for you. I mean, what might that sound like? I think that's a really powerful exercise in imagining God saying something like, I have loved you from the beginning. I have been with you every step of every day. I am for you. I have provided a way for you to be with me now and forever. You are my beloved child and I am pleased with you. I think that's, that would be pretty cool. Those are the wonderful things God has done. Now, I don't know what they were hearing, but I will say that I have this conviction that God is still speaking about his wonders to each of us 
in our own native tongue, our own way of understanding. And then when we incline our ears to hear, good things happen. And so anyway, the point of this passage is that those good things are for everyone, no exclusions. It just occurred to me that if God were to speak in my native tongue, it might sound like, Sarah, I love you more than burritos. And Ooh. that would be something close to my heart. Yeah. That, that just came to me in the moment. California girl. Okay. So anyway, uh, so here's a story from my life that relates to what we're talking about today. About 15 years ago, I started a job at a nonprofit. And to my wonderful surprise, I found myself a straight, white, Christian, middle-aged mom befriended by a rambunctious group of 20-something gay and lesbian co-workers. I remember. Yeah, it was great. And this friendship was formed through silly office interactions, lots of meals together, going out for ice cream on Saturday afternoons, helping each other move from apartment to apartment. You know, the stuff of ordinary life. And the camaraderie and the compassion that was formed in these friendships had a profound effect on my life that still affects me today. Hmm. These friends helped me navigate a long tell a long-held tension that I had with faith, which was the exclusion of the LGBT community in the churches that I had been a part of. And this exclusion became super clear to me one night when I was trying to um, mix these two worlds of church and work friends at a soup night that I was hosting at our apartment. And I saw firsthand that being kind is just not enough. My gay and lesbian friends were excluded from our expression of faith based on their sexual identities. And the camaraderie and compassion that I experienced with these friends, um, to my I can't. Turned. Turned oh, spiritual turned. Ther theories into lived reality. Turned. Yeah, that's right. It did. Uh, the way that I wanted to approach life and spirituality became much clearer to me as a result of these friendships. Hmm. And even though we had very, very different ideas about faith, their perspective had a really positive effect on my faith. And it validated the things that I had thought about but really didn't have the life experience to back up. Hmm. And so I don't know if you're watching, but New Yemi, Carl, if you happen to be watching this, thank you so much for your friendship. I love that thought, that camaraderie and compassion have the power to turn faith into a lived reality. And as you can imagine, this is one of the important steps along the way into our eventual decision to be a part of the team here that helped lead this church into becoming fully inclusive of the LGBT community. No exclusions. That's what we see here in, in, the, in the book of Acts. And I also love how your story, that the kind of unlikely people ended up bringing more of God's goodness into our lives. And that brings us to another good point from the story, which is that God 
uses us to bring his goodness into each other's lives. That's a great thought, I think. It makes sense that in the story that God would choose this moment to initiate the Jesus movement. You know, people from all over the country are in one place because of the festival. It's kind of a Super Bowl commercial moment where all the eyes and ears are there. The timing makes sense, but the methodology is a little bit of a surprise. It wasn't, it wasn't an anonymous voice from heaven that spoke about God's wonders. What God chose to do was to involve humans in bringing his good things to other fellow humans. That's significant. God wanted each and every one of these individuals to hear of his wonders in their own language and from another person. That is one of the great mysteries of faith, this combination of the human and the transcendent. And I just love that. It still intrigues me all these years later. You know, we have an important role in each other's lives. Yes, God can and will and does connect with each of us individually and directly, and that's wonderful. But you know, more often than not, it involves other people. And I think that tells us that camaraderie and compassion are not just add-ons to faith, Good if you can get it. That's not what it is. That's what faith is. It's what faith is. And so here we are. We are in a moment where the future is uncertain and the present really is fraught. And I just wanted to end by sharing something personally for a moment. You know, when I look back on the past 35 years of my life now as a follower of Jesus and and 30 of those years as a pastor, uh, 12 years here in New York City at the river, I just found myself thinking about what matters most. And what matters most to me personally, it's not what we've accomplished, it's not our achievements or you know the grand insights that we've gained or even the ways that we've grown. I think what matters most to me, honestly, is this sense of camaraderie and compassion with people like you. That's what matters. It's, I, I think of it like these tender, ephemeral threads of connection that make up our lives and our community together. And I, I imagine these threads are being woven together while we are going through the seasons of life side by side. And to me, this tapestry is precious. And I think Pentecost shows us that faith empowers us to bring a sense of wonder and joy into each other's lives. It is about a celebration of life in the midst of the ordinary and the extraordinary times. And Pentecost shows us that God will empower us to remove the barriers and the exclusions that separate. And I just simply want to say, let's put all our energy as individuals and as a church community to live that out to the full, wherever it may lead us. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So the story of Pentecost is God speaking to us through many voices. And let's end by flipping it around and joining are many voices in one message to God. As we speak our closing benediction today, let's imagine our voices from all over the city and, and beyond, beyond yeah. rising together.
Let's read this together. May, May the God who created a world of diversity and vibrancy go with us as we embrace life in all its fullness. May the Son who teaches us to care for strangers and foreigners Go with us as we try to be good neighbors in our communities. May the Spirit who breaks down our barriers and celebrates community go with us as we find courage to create a place of welcome for all. Thanks so much for watching. Hope to chat with you today at the Zoom at noon.